this week we're actually uh, we're going to um, recap last week's a little bit, and then we're going to talk about healing today. And uh, I'm really excited about the message, and uh, it's um, it's a wonderful thing that uh, the Lord has not just saved us from hell and made us new creatures, and spiritually we're all set, but that we can be affected, our bodies can be affected uh, here today in this life. And um, it's kind of like a financial blessing as well. You know, streets in heaven are made of gold, uh, but it's sure nice to have some finances here today. And um, especially if you were brought up in a... In a uh, church or a place that believed that in order to really be faithful to the Lord, you have to have nothing. And um, so there's many um, thoughts concerning healing, really many uh, thoughts concerning uh, the Lord. Uh, and the devil really, he doesn't uh, change much. So you always look at how he talks and what he says, and it really helps me to realize, okay, this is not from the Lord. This is from the devil. And one of my favorite is in Genesis where he's tempted Adam and Eve, and then he's talking to Eve, and he says, did God really say? And uh, how many times has that thought come into your mind or my mind or your ear or my ear concerning many things that God has said? Well, did God really say if you uh, tithe that he'll rebuke the devourer? Did God really say if you bring offerings, sow a seed, that he'll multiply your seed sown? And then it's, well, you know, the, the devil's persistent. So, well, maybe, maybe he said that, but that doesn't really apply to you and your situation. And um, same thing with health and healing is, well, did God really say that Jesus healed you. Did he really say that? And then, you know, if you don't know it, then you're stuck there. But once you find it out, then he'll say, well, yeah, but that's everybody else. Or that's someone that's like a faith giant. Or that's someone that has this or has, you know, it's always for somebody else. If, if he can't get you off of the belief of what the word of God says is true, well, then it doesn't apply to you. Or, you know, if you find out enough that, well, it applies to me, but it might not apply to you today. You know, you've actually got to go through a lot before it applies to you. Uh, maybe uh, the thought the devil would bring, uh, whole denominations have this thought that, you know, sickness and disease will train you and hone you and shape you. And, uh, you know, really, the truth is, God doesn't have to use something that belongs to the devil to make us what we should be. Right? And sickness and disease belongs to the devil because if you look in Genesis and find out before the fall, there was no sickness and no disease and no dying. And then flip on over to Revelation and you find out that after the devil is locked up and uh, you know he's already been defeated, but once he's locked up and has no ability to go out and influence people anymore, what happens? There's no sickness and no disease. There's not even crying in heaven. I don't know how my wife will handle that because she cries when she's happy and she cries when she's not happy. But I'm sure the Lord has a way to even help you. <laughs> if 
it's like a fine line between laughing and crying sometimes. And, you know, with the young kids, you're kind of like, you know, you're in the other room and you can hear something and you're like, <laughs> most of the time, if they're your kids, you can tell. But sometimes even you're kind of like, is that a, I said a melody, is that a, a laugh or a cry? <laughs> and uh, she normally knows a little better than I do, but it's, it's funny how similar those things can be. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, the verse we started with last week or kind of ended with, our, our main theme verse from last week, and we're going to use that as our theme text again this week, is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And Hebrews 11 is an amazing chapter. It talks about the faith uh, giants, really, of the Word of God. Uh, and it talks about, by faith, Abraham received strength to conceive seed, you know, or to, Sarah did, to conceive, and Abraham to give the seed. And so, uh, but it talks about a lot of other things that uh, by faith you do, by faith people are persecuted, by faith, you know, some things we just don't enjoy really talking about, but they're true nonetheless. Um, so faith is really believing that what God said is true and that it's true for you and it, it causes you to act. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Sometimes we'll look and people will say, I've heard people say it to me, actually. Uh, a friend of mine said it to me years ago. And that, well, you know, if, if you have to, like, be in faith for something, well, that puts too much pressure on you and, you know, um, you know, just if the Lord's going to do it, he'll do it. If he's not, he won't do it. And uh, this type of thinking comes up, and especially comes up with concerning healing. Because when we talk about healing, if you have a sickness or disease in your body, and you want to be well, which most people that do have that want to be well. Some people enjoy the, the uh, attention they get when they're sick, but that's not our subject today. Um, but most people want to be well. So much so that people that believe that God teaches them through sickness and disease, you'll still find them at the doctor trying to get treatment for what they say God has put on them to teach them. You know, you say, like, why are you trying to get out from under, like, the teaching hand of God if that's the teaching hand of God? But, you know, your body, yourself, you, you don't want sickness. You kind of recoil it. You don't, you know, it's terrible to, to be... Um, sick and not feeling well, it changes, a lot of times it'll change your attitude, and of course it changes your ability to uh, do different things. And so people will say like, well, you know, it puts too much pressure on the individual. Well, I guess it depends how you look at what faith is. So if you look at faith being a work, then yeah, it puts way too much pressure on you because faith is then a work that you have to do. Um, but you know, actually with grace, you could actually make grace a work just as much as you can make faith a work. So if you're saying like, well, you gotta be in faith, so we have to do like this, this list of, you know, this, 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 this. Um, if you got a list that you have to kind of abide by in your relationship with the Lord, uh, that's a good indication that you're kind of maybe in or slipping into more of a works mentality than a faith mentality. Because faith really just accepts that what God said is true and then acts on it. So uh, let me say this. Um, you ever heard this? If you get a good education, you'll get a good job. Or, um, and I was in the military, so if you go through basic training, then you're going to get to serve your country. So if you can just make it through basic, just like, you know, 
Don't focus on that. Realize it's just a short period of time. Then you're going to get the benefits. And the benefits are you get to serve your country. And the benefits are actually your pay goes up. And the benefits are you actually can go to the bathroom when you want to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and you can get up more closely to when you want to get up. And, you know, you don't have somebody that's locking you in the, you know, in the uh, barracks and all of that. So there's lots of benefits to getting out of basic training. Um, but if you go through that, then you get some of the benefits of being in the military. And depending on what your career field is, I was in intelligence. So um, if I did that, and then if I passed my background investigation, then I got to be exposed to top secret information and uh, do a bunch of other things like that and you know, really uh, um, get to meet a lot of uh, very senior leaders in our country. Um, if you think about a doctor, if you take this medicine then this will happen. Well, um, or when I was a kid, you'd say, the neighbors would say, if you mow my lawn, I will pay you $20, or back then, $10, you know. And maybe it's not $20 now, maybe it's like 50 bucks. Um, I mow my own lawn, so I don't know what that costs. And, um, but it should cost more than $10, because I think I spend that much in gas to mow my lawn. But you realize the things I just listed, and you could come up with your own things. These are words of a man or a woman, a person that's not uh, divine. These are just words of a friend or an acquaintance or a coworker. And the doctor may say, if you take this medicine, this will happen. Well, in most cases that he prescribes that medicine, that's most likely what will happen. But not 100% of cases, right? Sometimes people have bad reactions to medicine, different things happen. Um, and, you know, if you mow my lawn, somebody may not be honest with you. They may change something up on you. Or if you get a, if this is a good one for today, if you get a good education, you'll get a good job. I have lots of friends that are still paying on wonderful educations, not lots of friends, some, that are still paying on wonderful educations that are making like less than $30,000 a year, right? So that's not a guarantee. Um... But we're talking about believing what God said. So here you're just, those examples, you're going to believe what somebody said, right? And the point I wanted to get through by bringing those up is that um, when you believe something, you act. So if you believe, like when you start to go to college, maybe you're like, I don't know how you were, but maybe you just want to have a good time. And that's not your focus. But at some point in most people's life, whether in college or later, you kind of realize Education is very important, and it can benefit me, so I'm going to focus on it. So you actually start to believe those words that maybe your parents said or that the school that you went to said, uh, different things. And the soon as you believe it, you actually act differently. You're more uh, conscientious. You're more diligent in your studies. You pay a lot more attention. And, um, you know, I have a friend that we... uh, I was going to say we ran a marathon together, but we planned to run a marathon together, and he injured his uh, leg, and so he didn't get to run the marathon together. But he's more uh, spontaneous than what I am. I'm more planned, and so I'm looking at this thing, and I'm saying, okay, here's the, here's the you know, you can go online and find these. I don't remember which one we used, but there's a, a calendar that you can get. If you're going to run a marathon, I think it's like three months, a three-month training process, maybe four. And it kind of tells you how many miles you're supposed to run when you're supposed to do it. Well, 
uh, even I started getting my wife back in shape. <laughs> she said she wanted to like get in shape again and have a coach. And so she's like, will you coach me? <laughs> she's like, please coach me. I'm, if somebody coaches me, I'm great. I'll just do whatever, you know? And um, so, <laughs> so you look for different training programs, uh, but she's more also kind of spontaneous. So she's like, okay, if I'm going to start running, let's run like two miles. And I'm like, no, it's been like a couple of years since you've consistently run. I want you to run like one mile. Well, yeah, but I feel like I can do a lot more than that. I understand that, but let's have you run this mile for like three or four times until you start to, you know, the first time your muscles aren't tired, so they're going to do good. And then if you keep going uh, and you're doing too much, your muscles are so fatigued that you could actually injure yourself. You could sprain your ankle, whatever, because you're, now you're running on weak muscles. And so uh, my other friend maybe is, I, I don't know if, I know he's more of the moment like that. So he's like feeling good. So he's like, oh, just go, go, go. And then at some point he got an injury in there. And I don't know if it's because of that, but um, you find that if you could follow like the training, it's normally safer. And they've tested and figured out, okay, it's a lot safer to do it this way. But um, after you have an injury like that, I guarantee you if he decides to run another marathon, he's going to pay very close attention to the training and very close attention to his body because the training actually says listen to your body you know, and make sure, make sure that things are going well. Why does he do that? Because he knows it'll make a difference. So he's going to pay attention. And um, same thing with uh, you know, any type of uh, if you have your own business, um, I would be like very diligent in my own business because I know like how I serve you in my business probably affects what you're going to say about me to somebody else. And so I want to have more jobs because I need an income coming in. I want the business to be successful. So uh, when someone goes from somebody that's just an employee to someone that's a business owner or even a, a high level manager, you can see a lot of times some people will change their mentality. And if they don't change their mentality, they won't have the business long or they won't be in the management position long because you realize the effect of all those little things that maybe when you don't have the responsibility, you don't see. So the point is that when you understand something, when you grab hold of something, it actually changes how you act. If you're going on a diet, right, you're going to find out, like, you know what, if I have a pop every day or a soda every day, that uh, you're probably not going to lose weight too quickly. So if you find out that sodas have so much sugar in them and you cut back on the sodas, as soon as you find out what, what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to cut back. I'm not going to do it unless you're just, like, so flesh-ruled that you're like, ah, i got to have it. i got to have it. It's Memorial Day. Okay. <laughs> and... Um, so I, I don't want, sometimes uh, you approach like faith and righteousness and grace and healing and we get real um, uh, religious talking and thinking. And so you miss the whole point. And so the whole point is really you just trust God so much that you act. So it's like my children trusted me so much that I say, you know, you know, I'm in the pool and I say, jump, daddy will catch you. You know, if they trust me, they're going to jump and I'm going to catch them. And they don't have to sit there and say, okay, daddy, I trust you. Now I'm going to jump, right? Which is what we do with faith sometimes. <laughs> it's like, 
Okay, I believe that this is going to happen. Well, it's really in our actions. And it, our words obviously reflect that. And it's kind of like, you know what? I'm going to go to Harvard because I understand that this is a great education and Harvard's going to open up more opportunities for me than the community college. So I'm going to Harvard. So you see, my words reflect that. And then I put the application in and then I get accepted. And then, um, you know, I make plans to move there. And then you figure out financially what you're going to do. All of those things that I'm doing are because I believe that this will make a difference. So all of the things that um, we do with faith is simply because we trust God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith, I like uh, one, one way you look at that is, faith is now. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is not next year. Faith is now. So if you're going to um, trust God in an area of your life, the second you know that you're really trusting him, is you're saying, this scripture applies to me right now, right here, right now. And um, if you get in um, some uh, groups of people where, like our group of people, where people believe in healing and maybe they'll have a healing line and someone will come and lay hands on you um, or they'll just pray a general prayer, you find like sometimes people will come up and... um, as soon as hands are laid on them, like if I laid hands on somebody right now and then they're walking back, that's like one of the most critical parts of receiving healing is right then. Like what happens? And what are you looking for? And what am I looking for? And if I have pain in my body, am I dependent upon the feeling leaving for me to believe that what God said about people laying hands, believers laying hands or the minister laying hands is true? Or am I relying 100% on what God said? That he said, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So where, where am I trusting? Right? So that's the most critical time. And um, uh, you get a lot of times where, where uh, we feel like, well, I, don't wanna, I just want to say the right thing. And, um, you know, you can't perfectly say the right thing. I can't perfectly say the right thing. Right? I mean, you're going to mess up in your speech somewhere. We talked about that in the offering, like with James. Um, uh, the, actually, the Bible says if you're able to bridle, bridle your tongue, you're perfect you're in the whole man. Like, you're totally perfect, right? And uh, none of us are there yet. We're, we're all striving uh, to do the best we can. But it's not a matter of putting a um, uh, uh, rigorous standard on your speech. It's really a matter of trusting God and letting that affect your speech, right? So in your heart, if you're trusting the, you know, I'm married. So in my heart, if I'm trusting my wife, uh, that she's not going to cheat on me with somebody else, then it's going to really affect what words I choose and what words I pick, but I'm not conscious about it. I'm not sitting there thinking, okay, because I trust her, I should say this or I should say that or whatever. It just kind of naturally flows out. So it's kind of like I don't have a questioning or um, uh, untrusting vocabulary that's attached to my conversation with her, like, uh, where are you going tonight? If I say, where are you going tonight? I'm not thinking, like, are you going to sneak off and do something devious or what are you doing? I'm just asking where are you going or, you know, what's going on? If she's going to go get the car, normally I'm asking because I have, uh, like, she's of the moment, so I'm more planned, so I have a plan for, like, an hour and a half, I need the car because we have one car to go do something. <laughs> so I'm like, where are you going? 
Oh, I'm going to Costco. Oh, are you going to get a lot of stuff? <laughs> because I'm gauging in my mind, like, how long is this going to take because I have another appointment? And um, I don't always just say, hey, well, you know, and then I would be like, okay, well, can you, do you think you can be back by such and such a time because I have to go pick up the trailer for the stuff for the church, like yesterday. And, um, but, you know, out of my heart, there's no, like, distrust there. The words I'm choosing, the questions I'm asking are because uh, I have something else going on. But if I didn't trust her, if she had been unfaithful to me, or if for some reason I was just... Um, a jealous type of person and let jealousy consume me, then I may be like, well, how long are you be gone? What route are you taking? You know, yeah. why are you wearing that? <laughs> you, you know, like, I don't know. I'm trying to be jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because you get in like some, some things and um, this is the word of faith that we preach. Like some people want to criticize like, oh, word of faith and everything. But the, the problem with criticizing word of faith is the Bible says that the word of faith is like the word of God. And it's what we preach and it's what we speak. And, um, but you have uh, sometimes people that feel like their job is to police everyone else's mouth and what everyone else says. And uh, really, to be honest with you, that's one of the, the greatest hindrances to people's faith is someone criticizing what you're saying. Because what it causes you to do is, oh, I don't want to do something wrong, so I'm not going to say that. Well, then you can't locate yourself, and they can't locate you. Because if you walk away from like the healing line, and you're saying, hmm, I guess I didn't get anything. If you have good friends, and even if it's just yourself, that's one of the best things in the world for them to hear you say if they're going to surround you in faith and love, because you can say, oh, okay, well, let's, let's get together. Let's, let, let's find some uh, scriptures that we can stand, that we can understand like something happened. Or if you don't connect with that, like Brother Hagin said, I think the Lord put there so many different methods to receive healing because he wanted everyone to be healed so badly that you're bound to find one that you're going to connect with so that you can just be like, oh, I see that. I don't... I don't get this laying on the hands thing, but like Jesus speaking to it, I see that. Or someone speaking to it, I got it. That's for me. Yeah. Uh, because the Lord really wants us healed, and you know, we're all so many different personalities. Yeah. Um, let me read to you Romans chapter uh, 10, verses 4 through 10 from the Message Translation. The early revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah, who puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. We're kind of talking about the phase of healing right now. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law um, code to live right before God soon discovers it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print, right? That's the law. So they had like a regulation for like everything. And um, if... Uh, you have some extra time you can read in the Old Testament. There's so many different uh, things that you like. They had a law for that? What? I mean, my goodness. Like, how, Of course I'm going to fail. Of course I'm going to mess up. But trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth. As close as the heart in your chest. If the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things, excuse me, it's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word of God, Jesus is my master. Yeah. 
right? So it's just saying, all you have to do is say, Jesus is my master, and of course, and believe in your heart. Embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead, right? So you're saying, Jesus is my master, and then we embrace with body, soul, heart, everything we have, that um, the work that God did in raising Jesus from the dead, he did in me. Faith is always like very personal. Uh, That is, you're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right, and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. Isn't that an awesome uh, translation? And so you realize, like, and um, you can be full of faith, and you can be, like, and you should be full of faith, and you can be in our group of people, our company, but uh, you can get a, a uh, I have to accomplish something mentality, a works mentality, okay? Well, let me give you one, one greater, which might affect uh, you guys more even, is that you can be part of charis, like not just a school, I'm saying like of this grace that you get from God and understanding that, and you can actually get into a works mentality. Same thing, it's, it's, it's no different. And so that's why Paul wrote to the Galatians, like, I can't believe this. You guys are the ones that like received all this by grace. You're like the grace people or you're the faith people. And yet you're so quickly removed from this that you're like trying to do this yourself. Well, because like, what is it? Like when I grew up, and I'm thankful for it actually, but um, you know, it's like, if you're going to make any money, you got to work hard. You got to study hard. You got to do all this stuff. And it puts it all off on, on you. Right, and a good work work ethic is wonderful because there's a lot of people that need a good work ethic, uh, a ton of people because they feel like I should pay my taxes for them to not work, right? And you know, that's a whole different story. Romans one seventeen. I'm not going to go down that trail. I'll get stuck there. Uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts in him, starting with Jews and then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith. Confirming what scripture has said all along, the person in right standing before God, excuse me, the person in right standing before God by trusting in him really lives. I think we talked about that last week. You have life that really is. When you, when you trust in God. And then um, Galatians 3, 11, and 12. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. Isn't this good? I love the message sometimes. It's so good. Talking about justification by faith, not by works. Okay, we, we, mentioned, it, we mentioned it a minute ago. So the obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program in other words, how can we carry out this program and live morally like this? Should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. The most uh, uh, person you respect the most spiritually couldn't do it. The person who lives in a right relationship with God does it. Here's gonna, he's he's going to say how? By embracing what God arranges for him. Like God set this up. And all we have to do is say, oh, okay, I'll. I'll accept that. I'll take that. I, that's true. 
And how do we accept it? Like, I'm talking about what I talked about before. Like, how does your faith show up? Well, you just believe something so much that it just causes you to do it. It's not like, okay, I believe it, so I'm going to do it. Um, it's like, yeah, why, why, why are you doing that? Well, because I believe it. You know, how, how could you come down from the healing line and say, like, uh, you're healed, and I still see that spot or that growth on your cheek? Well, see, you're obviously not healed. And, you know, uh, Brother Hagin was, um, he was, of course, if you know his story at all, he was, uh, had a terminal, I think three terminal diseases, an incurable blood disease, a deformed heart, and lots of other issues. And he was healed by faith in the word of God when he was on his deathbed, really. He was paralyzed from the waist down, and no one with his disease had ever lived past the age of 16, and he was just approaching 16, or he was right at 16. And um, he saw Mark eleven twenty three and 24, uh, not even what you consider a traditional healing scripture, but what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And um, he got understanding and revelation on that and acted on that. But then um, I think it was in, within a couple years there, he, uh, I don't remember how it happened, but part of his face ended up being paralyzed. So he would um, smile you ever seen somebody with a paralyzed face or yet gone to the dentist and had Novocaine or what is it called Novocaine? Yeah, the numbing stuff. And um, he'd smile and like only half of his face would go around like this, you know, and the other part would just kind of stay there because it's stretching because there's no feeling. And uh, he, he lost feeling. And so he went up and there's a service. And at the end of the service, you know, they're getting ready to close out. And he saw like of the elders of the church lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. And so he said, uh, brother pastor, brother pastor, I have a question before we leave. You know? And uh, he said, what is it? He's like, I'd like you to pray for my healing. So uh, he came down and the pastor prayed for him. And he had a little friend who was short, very short. Her name was Imogene Alexander. And um, I, he, I, he I think he kind of liked her, but we always would kid <laughs> with his wife, Aretha, about that. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, she's like, you got prayed for. He's like, you know, I got prayed for. And, and she's like, well, doesn't look like anything changed, you know. And um, he's like, no, he's like, I got healed when the pastor laid hands on me and prayed. And she said, no, you didn't. I can still see you look exactly the same. And um, he said, no, I got healed. So they're walking home together and they get into the house. And Imogene, uh, uh, her mother was also very short. And so uh, Imogene said to her mother, well, Kenneth said, you know, he was healed tonight. And uh, she's like, well, he doesn't look healed. And, and she was, his, her mom was down there looking up at <laughs> Kenneth Hagin and like this. And it was so funny to him because of how she was like looking, trying to see that he started laughing. And as soon as he started laughing, like his face went sideways and everything like that. And she said, well, you're not healed. I can see you're not healed. He said, no, I was healed when the pastor laid hands on me. And so he just kept his uh, belief the same. He didn't get knocked off his belief because what he felt and saw didn't change. And actually, when he went to go to bed that night, you know, he just kept saying it. Well, one of the reasons we keep saying it is because um, if you're going to be in agreement with someone, Habakkuk, we learn, if you're gonna, two are going to walk together, they can't do it unless they're agreed, right? So you're agreeing with the word of God, and also it helps you. Have you ever noticed, like, uh, again, if you say the negative, sometimes it helps you realize the positive. If you, if you like, say, like, oh, man, this is never going to work out, you know, we're gonna, it's going to be, one, one great one is, it's going to be a terrible day. This day is ho- horrible. I woke up with a bad attitude. This is just going to be not a good day. And most of the time what happens 
It's not a good day. Um, and so he's going to bed. And when he goes to bed, he closes one eye, he closes his eyes, and only one eye shuts, and the other eye stays open. So he takes his hand and he closes the other eye that's paralyzed. And um, I'll pretend it's this one, so I don't mess up the mic. He closes the eye and it pops right back open. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I guess I'm just going to go to sleep, you know, because I was healed when the pastor laid hands on me tonight. And it was three days later, all of a sudden, completely released, completely set free. And his friend Imogene said, I see you finally got your healing. And he said, yes, three nights ago when the pastor laid hands on me. And he's like, she didn't get it. But what he was doing was not um, trying to confess or speak something to make it come to pass, right? He believed that what the word of God said was true, and then it has to show up in the natural. So there's a big difference, you know, that's a very significant point, is that uh, if you're going to believe that if you confess enough times that it'll happen, then you're doing it, I'm doing it, not the Lord. But we simply just receive what the Lord has done for us. So Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible. And we talked about last week because he must believe that he is. So you have to believe that God is the healer today, right now. You know, who should I say, Moses said, sent me? Tell him I am has sent you. So I am the deliverer. I am the life giver. I am the healer. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Yeah. Well, what's a rewarder? The simplest way to say what a rewarder is is a giver. I'm going to give to you. So where we find ourselves a lot of times is some people don't know that it's the will of God to heal. In other words, that, you know, uh, I don't know, would the Lord heal me? Does he want to heal me or not? But then you, you read in the word of God, which we'll, we'll get into next week, uh, those passages of scripture, but you learn in the word of God that it is the will of God to heal us. It is the will of God for us to be um, healed. You can even look at like the brazen serpent. When Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, anyone that looked lived when they were bitten by the snake bites, which was a type and an example of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ, you know, said, I must be lifted up. And anyone that looks on Jesus then will live, will be healed, will have life. And um, so you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. So we know that it's God's will to heal um, because, you know, let's look at this one. Probably this will be our last one for today. Uh, let's look at, I think it's Mark chapter 4. Let's look at Mark chapter 4. No, excuse me, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And there came a leper to him, that's to Jesus, beseeching him, just saying, Lord, Lord, kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if you will, you can make me clean. So this guy is full of leprosy and incurable disease, and he's saying, if you will. So in other words, he's like you or me if we don't know that it's the will of God to heal us. And, you know, you can have faith in one area and not have faith in another. So let me say this. Like, there's a lady that she had faith to be healed of any sickness 
uh, like a cold or a flu, she'd come and she'd get prayed for by the pastor and like healed all the time. She was paralyzed in a wheelchair. She had no faith to receive healing for her paralyzed body, but she had faith to receive healing for a cold or a flu. Okay? There's actually people that have faith to receive healing from cancer and from being paralyzed, but don't have faith to receive it from a cold, right? And so much is based on, your faith really is based on knowledge of the Word of God. And if you feel like, well, it's just normal, this time of year everyone gets sick, then you're probably not going to have faith for healing for, for those type of things. And now he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, verse 41, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be clean. So we'll have to go next week to give you some more examples. But you see, it's the will of God to heal. And not only do you need to know that it's the will of God, because you can know, okay, it's the will of God to heal. I understand that. I've studied the scriptures. I see the scriptures. It is the will of God to heal. But then my question is, is it the will of God to heal you? And so uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him because he that comes to God must believe that he is. So you must believe that he is the healer and that he is a rewarder, a giver of them that diligently seek him. So you find out if, if someone is a giver, what does that mean? What does a giver do? They give. Like, what do tiggers do? They bounce. What do believers do? They believe. So it's not something like you're working it up, like, oh, I have to believe, I have to believe. I have to. Okay, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna believe. No, no, no. Like, you either believe or you don't believe. And so you just say, like, you know, do you believe that if someone were to say, you know, Jesus is Lord, and if they actually believed in their heart, if they said it out loud, do you believe that they would be born again? That's easy. Yes or no. I mean, you either believe it or you don't believe it. And so you see that without faith, it's impossible to please him. You have to believe that he is. Not only is he like the healer, but that he's a giver. And what a giver does is give. And so if you go to a giver, you know, and Jesus actually said, talking even about the Holy Spirit, remember what he said? If um, your earthly parents or your earthly father would give you a good gift, how much more would your heavenly father give a good gift? And so you find that it is the will of God to heal, and he is a giver. And so you're going to someone just like the leper went to and said, okay, Lord, if it be your will, and the Lord's like, okay, I, you don't know this because I haven't come yet. It is my will. In fact, if you follow me around, you'll find out every place I go, I'm healing people. I'm setting people free. And I just came to reveal God's will. So the will of God is to heal you and set you free. And then I'm a giver. So I'm not going to have this and not give it to you. And actually, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And if, you know, one of the epistles says, as he is... Jesus, so are we in this world. So if, is Jesus sick right now? No. So, so are we in this world. And so we just uh, simply trust the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you that what you said is true and I'm going to act on it. And I'll close with this. And that is, you know, in healing school in Tulsa, they've had it for years and years and years. And trem tremendous results. And, um, one of the things that they'll do if you ever go there, and I pray that you won't, <laughs> unless you just go there just to be taught, but people go there a lot of times with terminal diseases, and they'll take it as a last step instead of a first step. And, um, but if you do get to go there, or if you go there, you'll find out what they do is they will talk to you and find out, um, you know, hey, what, what scripture means something to you? 
which one are you like really just like focused in on right now? What's, what's stirring in your heart? And then you take that scripture and they'll get you to act on that. Because that's the scripture that's alive to you. And when something is alive to you like a scripture and you act on it, you get results. Brother Hagin used to say, when you get thrilled with the word, that's when you get results. So you start to see something and you're like, this is too good to be true. I can't believe this is so good. And uh, it's like when I first started understanding about um, healing and just saw a glimpse of it, I, I kept thinking, this can't be true. How can this be true? I, I never knew this. This is, you mean I, I don't have to like be under all of this? I don't have to keep this? And so, um, you know, that's when the word really starts to work for you. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that you sent your word and you healed us and you delivered us from every sickness, from every disease. Father, we trust you. We trust what you said. And Father, we love you so much and we thank you for loving us so much. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every person that's here, each and every person that's um, under the sound of my voice, that God's very best, his very riches would be yours, that uh, wisdom and revelation and understanding would flow to you today and this week and the rest of this month. In Jesus' name, amen.